You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include the House has named a speaker, a Ukrainian power plant was just missed by a Russian attack, and there was a lockdown on a joint base in Burlington County. Here's your national news recap for the week of October 22nd. After three weeks without a speaker, the House voted Wednesday to elect Representative Mike Johnson of Louisiana. Johnson secured the gavel without losing any GOP votes. The final tally was 220 votes for Johnson and 209 votes for House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. Johnson became the 56th Speaker of the House of Representatives as Republicans were worn down by three weeks of infighting and dysfunction. It came after a historic fight that began when the right ousted Speaker Kevin McCarthy on October 3rd and raged on as the divided House GOP nominated and then quickly discarded three other candidates to succeed him. The families of hostages taken prisoner by Hamas are on Capitol Hill. New York City native Ruby Chen called on lawmakers to do everything they can to help secure the release of his 19-year-old son and the 200 other hostages. Chen's son was abducted by Hamas during the group's deadly ambush on October 7th. He's a soldier with the Israel Defense Forces. Maryland Congressman Steny Hoyer told families Congress is committed to bringing the hostages home. U.S. forces in the Middle East are facing attacks from Iranian-backed militias. Pentagon spokesman Brigadier General Pat Ryder told reporters Thursday U.S. and coalition forces have attacked 12 times in Iraq and four times in Syria over the past week. He said attacks involve drones and rockets. Ryder would not say how the U.S. plans to respond, but said the U.S. maintains the inherent right to defend its troops. This comes as tensions remain high in the region as Israel is at war with Hamas. The top Democrat in the House doesn't think New York Congressman Jamal Bowman should have been censured for pulling the fire alarm in a Capitol building last month. House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries told reporters Bowman is already being held accountable by the justice system as he pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor charge in D.C. Superior Court Thursday. Jeffries, meanwhile, called out Republicans who have been critical of Bowman, arguing many have defended individuals who overran the Capitol during the 2021 riot. Bowman set off the alarm in the Cannon Office building last month, stalling lawmakers voting on a measure to keep the government open. The White House says more needs to be done to address the epidemic of gun violence in the U.S. Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre spoke on the mass shooting that left 18 people dead in Lewiston, Maine, Wednesday night, calling it horrific. She called on newly elected House Speaker Mike Johnson to work with Democrats to pass gun reform legislation, including an assault weapons ban and background checks. Police are still on the hunt for a suspect in the shooting. Maine Senator Angus King says it's a dark day in his state following a mass shooting that left 18 dead and 13 others injured. King noted Maine has one of the highest rates of gun ownership in the nation, but one of the lowest gun crime rates. He says residents in his state are shocked by the Wednesday night shooting that occurred inside a bowling alley and bar in Lewiston. Police are still looking for the suspected shooter, 40-year-old Robert Card, with officials saying he should be considered armed and dangerous. 
The newly elected Speaker of the House was at the White House. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre said Mike Johnson was invited to get a briefing on President Biden's supplemental request. The president is requesting more than $100 billion for a national security package that includes funding for Ukraine, Israel, and the southern border. A federal judge is ruling that Georgia voting maps are discriminatory. U.S. District Judge Steve Jones found that the Republican-drawn congressional map and state legislative maps violate the Voting Rights Act by weakening black voters' power. While the state could appeal, the decision could clear a way to ramp up black voting representation in Georgia. The Chippewa County, Wisconsin board is answering questions about its continuing investigation into Sheriff Travis Hakes. In a press release, board chair Dean Gullickson says some of the recent comments made by Sheriff Hakes required further investigation. But Gullickson says the board is not seeking to remove Sheriff Hakes from office. Only the governor can do that. Hakes has been accused of sending inappropriate messages to a dispatcher and of not keeping reliable hours. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your national news. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach with your international news report. Our first international story today is coming from BBC. A Russian drone attack on western Ukraine likely targeted a nuclear power plant, President Volodymyr Zelensky says. Iranian-designed Shahid drones struck the area around the power plant in the western Khmelnytsky region early on Wednesday, he said. The attack injured 20 people and caused light damage, including broken windows. The International Atomic Energy Agency, IAEA, said the plant's operations were unaffected. IAEA Director General Rafael Grossi said in a statement, powerful explosions shook an area near Ukraine's Khmelnytsky nuclear power plant. He added, the blasts highlight the dangers to nuclear safety posed by the war. The Khmelnytsky plant has two reactors. One is operating and one has been in planned outage since August. Russian forces have controlled the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant in eastern Ukraine since March 2022. Kiev accuses Russia of shelling the plant and risking a radiation leak, behavior it characterizes as nuclear terror. No serious accident has occurred since the full-scale invasion last year, however. Mr. Zelensky said the attack in the Khmelnytsky region showed that Ukraine's air defenses needed further support from international partners. He added that Russian drones and missiles contain components originating from Western companies and countries, and the Khmelnytsky strike showed how dangerous it can be when Russia can bypass international sanctions. Our next two international stories are coming from Reuters, and the first takes us to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Israeli forces carried out their biggest Gaza ground attack overnight in their 20-day-old war with Hamas, as anger grew in the Arab world over Israel's relentless bombardment of the besieged Palestinian territory. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said Israeli troops were still preparing for a full ground invasion, while the U.S. and other countries urged Israel to delay, fearing it could ignite hostilities on other Middle East fronts. The U.N. agency providing aid to Palestinian civilians in Gaza said it may soon have to shut down operations if no fuel reaches the Hamas-ruled territory, amid a desperate need for shelter, water, food, and medical services. Israel has bombarded the densely populated Gaza Strip, following the October 7th Hamas attack on Israeli communities. Israel says Hamas killed some 1,400 people, including children, and took more than 200 hostages, some of them infants and older adults. Gaza's health ministry said on Thursday that 7,028 Palestinians had been killed in the retaliatory airstrikes, including 2,913 children. The U.S. State Department said Washington knows that a significant number of people have died in Gaza, but does not have independent confirmation of numbers 
and it does not trust figures released by Hamas. The Israeli military has also said Hamas figures cannot be trusted, but has not provided its own assessment. Gaza Health Ministry spokesman Ashraf Al-Kidra rejected statements questioning the figures. The ministry on Thursday published a document which it said contains the names of all of the victims who have been identified and their ID numbers. Israeli Army Radio said the military had overnight staged its biggest incursion into northern Gaza of the current war. Armored vehicles crossed the fortified border and blew up buildings, a military video showed. Tanks and infantry struck numerous terrorist cells, infrastructure, and anti-tank missile launch posts, it said. Palestinians said Israeli airstrikes pounded the territory again overnight, and people in central Gaza reported intensive tank shelling all night. Our third and final international story takes us to Pakistan, who on Thursday gave a last warning to all immigrants in the country illegally, including hundreds of thousands of Afghan nationals, to leave voluntarily before a November 1st deadline, the country's caretaker interior minister said on Thursday. Interim interior minister Sarfraz Bugti told a news conference in Islamabad that Pakistan was determined to go ahead with a plan to remove all undocumented immigrants after November 1st. Pakistan announced the move in October. It said it took the decision after Afghan nationals were found to be involved in crimes, smuggling, and attacks against government and the army, including 14 out of 24 suicide bombings this year. Bugti said, All the illegal immigrants have been identified. The state has a complete data. I want to appeal one more time that all the illegal immigrants should leave voluntarily by the deadline. Bugti warned law enforcement agencies will start an operation to remove people after the expiry of the deadline. He also said action would be taken against anyone found involved in facilitating or hiding the immigrants. The immigrants, mostly Afghans, many of whom have lived in Pakistan for years, will be processed at temporary centers being set up by the government. Those leaving voluntarily will be helped to leave Pakistan, such as preparation of their documents, permission to exchange currency, and transportation. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach, and that was your International News Report. I'm Riley Adams with your local news. Joint Base McGuire-Dix-Lakehurst officials announced a brief lockdown of the New Jersey military base Thursday afternoon because of a report of an active shooter. But the facility reported 21 minutes later that the situation was clear and everyone was safe, according to official statements on social media. Base officials told NJ Advance Media an investigation quickly determined there was no active shooter. The base, located in Burlington and Ocean Counties, wrote on social media at 3.21 p.m. that all personnel was on lockdown because of a, quote, active shooter, according to the base's social media pages. Quote, all personnel outdoors should take cover, the base said. Then... At 3.42 p.m., the base posted, quote, update all clear, noting that the facility was no longer on lockdown and that, quote, we have confirmed all members of the base are safe. From CBS 3, New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez was back in federal court in Lower Manhattan on Monday afternoon after the indictment against him was rewritten to add an additional charge. Menendez said nothing as he walked into court. The 69-year-old stood and answered the judge's questions and told him he was pleading, quote, not guilty, Your Honor. The longtime senator, his wife Nadine Menendez, and Egyptian-American businessman Wael Hanna are accused of conspiring to have Senator Menendez act as an agent of the Egyptian government while he chaired the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Senator Menendez has since stepped down from that role leading the committee. Nadine Menendez and Hanna entered not guilty pleas to the superseding indictment last week, but Senator Menendez was allowed to delay his arraignment due to Senate obligations. Among the allegations, he's accused of passing non-public, highly sensitive information to the Egyptians about the staff at the U.S. Embassy in Cairo. 
allegedly texting it to Nadine Menendez, who forwarded to Hanna, who then sent it to an Egyptian government official. Senator Menendez is also accused of ghostwriting a letter on behalf of Egypt, quote, lobbying other U.S. senators to support U.S. aid to Egypt. Prosecutors say the senator and his wife accepted bribes that included gold bars, cash, and a luxury car from three New Jersey businessmen in exchange for official acts. Last month, Senator Menendez pleaded not guilty to federal bribery and other charges and was released on a $100,000 bond. The other defendants also pleaded not guilty. On his way out of the courtroom Monday afternoon, there was again silence from Senator Menendez as reporters asked questions. More than 30 Democrats have called on Senator Menendez to resign. He maintains his innocence. The latest charges have a penalty of up to five years in prison. Federal law prohibits Senator Menendez as a public official from serving as a foreign agent. From NBC10. The candidates for Philadelphia's highest office met in what would be their first and only debate set to be held before the pair face off in a ballot on November 7th. Held Thursday morning in the studio for NBC 10's news gathering partner, KYW News Radio, the candidates Sherelle Parker, a Democrat, and Republican David O. vied over a number of issues, including gun violence and safety in Philadelphia, to the proposal of the 76ers' new arena in the city's Chinatown section. Parker opened the day calling herself a proud pro labor, pro union Democrat. By contrast, in his opening statement, O discussed the history of Philadelphia, reminding listeners that the city was a leading city, quote, in our history from time to time, saying it was a manufacturing hub and at the forefront of the fight against slavery. In discussing the ongoing issues of gun violence in the city, the candidates were asked if they would focus more on prosecuting lower-level offenses like looting and gun violations, or would they support more resources on enforcing more serious violent crimes. Parker suggests utilizing a program called CompStat 360 as a way to make sure that the police are making an impact on the city's crime rate. She also suggested bolstering the police force with new technology as well. For O, he argued that crimes considered, quote, low-level still hurt community members. He said that he would intend to ensure that, quote, all laws are enforced by the city's police force if elected. On the proposed 76ers arena in Center City, O said in the past that he is opposed to the idea, though Parker said she hasn't made a firm stance yet and she would like to hear more input from the neighborhood as viewpoints from Philadelphia's across the city. From Fox 29. Police in New Jersey are searching for an arsonist who was caught on camera setting fire to a vehicle parked outside a house they say was previously targeted by arson. Video obtained by Fox 29's Steve Keeley shows a person with a gas can approach a vehicle parked in a driveway of a home on Concord Circle Saturday morning. The suspect is seen dumping gasoline on the front windshield of the vehicle, then along the driver's side and several feet away onto a stone garden wall. The suspect then lights two parts of the gas line on fire, briefly watching the flames consume the vehicle from atop a nearby garden wall before presumably fleeing. A neighbor soon emerges from the house behind, and a man uses a garden hose to try to doused the raging car fire while waiting for the firefighters to arrive. The Haddonfield Police Department said vehicles parked at the home have previously been targeted by an arson despite changing ownership several times since 2017. Police have not publicly identified any suspects and say there is, quote, no evidence to indicate the greater Haddonfield community is at risk. I'm Riley Adams, and that was your local news. I'm Aiden Doherty with your Rowan News. Rowan is going green, and the Princeton Review noticed that. The Princeton Review this week included Rowan University among the top colleges and universities for environmental responsibility, and with good reason. Rowan has long been committed to fighting climate change. Throughout the 2023-2024 year, as the university celebrates its centennial, it has placed an even greater emphasis on those ideals. An October 4th lecture as part of the Centennial Lecture Series featured Dr. Doug Tolimi, a University of Delaware wildlife ecologist and New York Times bestselling author who pressured listeners to be nature's best hope through eco-friendly plantings in their yard. On October 19th, alumni David Tarr, a former lead economist of the World Bank, lectured on how to save the planet. Experts also are tackling emergency cleaning energy efforts during the Sweeney Center Conference at Rowan. Industry executives and government and nonprofit leaders explored these energy sources in the Steve Sweeney Center for Public Policy Second Energy Conference. The Road to Zero Emissions, the Future of Nuclear, Hydrogen, and Emerging Energy Technologies in New Jersey at Rowan. University on October 23rd. 
A Rowan Prof discusses early findings of an asteroid sample which has been vital to NASA's mission. Following a seven-year journey of billions of miles, the spacecraft OSIRIS REX returned a sample from the asteroid Bennu September 14th in Rowan University's Dr. Harold Connolly Jr., along with hundreds of his NASA colleagues, wept with joy. Connolly, the founding chair of the Department of Geology and the School of Earth and Environment, has been affiliated with the OSIRIS REX mission for 15 years and is leading analysis of the sample it returned. The Mission sample scientist Connolly is overseeing research by some 200 investigators in the pristine sample from the Bennu, a carbonaceous near-Earth asteroid that poses as a potential hazard to the planet. Connolly said more than 120 peer-reviewed research articles are planned over the next two years as investigators work to unravel the mysteries in the ancient sample. Further studies will probe the geologic nature of the sample and help scientists better understand how the asteroid, which is roughly 500 meters in diameter, moves through space. For now, Connolly is simply awestruck by the mission's success to date and the sample it returned. When you're out in the desert and look up, it's the deep, dark night, but it sparkles. That's what the sample looks like, he said. I'm Aiden Doherty, and that was your Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce, along with the Rowan Radio News Team. I'm Jack Miller for the Rowan Report with your news from the professional sports world. Your Rowan University football team continues their season on the road about two hours north up I-95 as they continue NJAC play later today against the Montclair State Redhawks. Let's backtrack though to last week where Rowan battled the Salisbury University Seagulls at home. The Seagulls attacked the Profs how they have played the whole season with their triple option offense. They ran the ball as much as they could and did not have a single passing yard to any receivers throughout the game. The Seagulls had a total of 387 rushing yards displayed between seven players. Salisbury got the scoring started late in the first quarter. Jaden Thomas rushed from six yards away for his first touchdown as a Seagull this season. Then Thomas did it again for his largest gain of the season and scored touchdown number two early in the second, extending their lead 14-0. They finished off the first half with another rushing touchdown, this time from Joey Bildstein, from one yard away, shutting out the Profs at halftime 21-0. Quarterback Nate Myers had two passing touchdowns after Salisbury had one more touchdown to start the third quarter one to Corey Gordon, and another to Jake Shakey for his second prof touchdown this season. Rowan was on the verge of a comeback, but Salisbury kept their cool and secured the win in Glassboro with another rushing touchdown by Joey Bildstein. Final score was 35-21. to As I mentioned earlier, the profs take on Montclair State today on the road with live coverage starting at 4 with the coaches show and kickoff between the profs and the Redhawks scheduled for 5 p.m. Rowan's men's soccer team clinched the second seed in the NJAC tournament after beating Stockton on senior night 3-1. Johnny Troiano scored goals 15 and 16 that night to give the profs an early two-goal lead. They honored seniors Luke Yates and Sergio Solo Garcia and Sergio Sola Garcia at halftime and Sergio was able to put his fourth goal on the year in the back of the net to extend their shutout to three goals, but Stockton tacked on a goal on a penalty kick to avoid a goose egg on the scoreboard. The men's team is now on a bye for the first round as they will play 
play this Wednesday against the winner between Kane or Rutgers Camden. They couldn't beat either of those teams this season, so hopefully they can keep their four-game winning streak momentum alive in the NJAC tournament. The number 11 D3 ranked women's soccer team are NJAC regular season champions after an undefeated season, and they will also have a bye in the NJAC tournament. They beat Stockton just like the men's team did, but on the road, shutting them out 3-0. Lauren Sanfilis scored twice, and Mackenzie Clement added on a goal of her own. They finished the season off 13-0-2, and and will either face NJCU or Rutgers Camden. All of the NJAC games they will play will be at home since they secure the number one seed. The World Series matchup is set for the MLB as the Texas Rangers are the American League champions and the Arizona Diamondbacks are the National League champions. Adolis Garcia made Houston know that he and the Rangers came to play as he won ALCS MVP and beat the Houston Astros in seven games. Cattell Marte did the same thing as he was declared NLCS MVP and also beat Philadelphia in seven games. First pitch for game two will be tonight at 8.07 p.m. Again, I'm Jack Miller for the Roan Report with your news from the professional sports world. Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. Wall Street is opening with stocks mixed. This comes as Meta reported earnings that came in below investors' expectations. The Facebook parent company beat two and bottom lines for the quarter, but the company said it was seeing weak advertising numbers so far in the new quarter. At the opening bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was just higher, while the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq were lower. The United Auto Workers Union is celebrating a tentative agreement with Ford. The agreement could signal the beginning of the end of the strike against Detroit's big three automakers that's been ongoing since September. The tentative deal with Ford will have to be ratified by UAW members before it becomes official. Over 40,000 workers have walked off the job since the UAW went on strike demanding higher wages and better benefits. Southwest Airlines pilots protested outside of the headquarters building in Dallas Thursday morning. The demonstration took place during an event highlighting the airline's culture that cost $600 per ticket. The pilots' union says the event shows how Southwest leadership is disconnected from its employees and the airline must focus on workers to regain its culture. The union has been seeking a contract since 2020 and voted to authorize a strike earlier this year. Domino's is giving away free pizzas to those paying off student loans. The Emergency Pizzas for Student Loans program is an offshoot of the restaurant's existing emergency pizzas initiative. Starting on October 25th, the chain is providing a limited number of free pizza codes until $1 million worth of codes have been claimed. Domino's executive Kate Trumbull said that in the wake of student loan payments resuming for millions, the chain wanted to help in its own ways. She says, when life gives you loans, Domino's gives you free pizza. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. I'm Elle Lawton, and this is your entertainment news. Kelly Clarkson is adding another job to her resume. The singer and daytime TV talk show host will be hosting the annual Christmas tree lighting at Rockefeller Center. Christmas at Rockefeller Center is an annual tradition that has spanned nine decades. Clarkson will be pulling double duty both hosting and performing. She recently moved her talk show from Los Angeles to Rockefeller Center. The two-hour live show will air on November 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC. The new installment in the Hunger Games franchise is expected to fetch around $50 million in its first weekend. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is a prequel that takes place 64 years before the events of the original films. The film stars Rachel Zegler, Tom Blythe, Peter Dinklage, Hunter Schaefer, and Viola Davis. 
The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes hits theaters on November 17th. The Beatles are announcing the release of their last song. Titled Now and Then, the song was written and sung by John Lennon with help from Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr. The song was originally recorded by Lennon in the 1970s and then completed using AI technology by McCartney and Starr last year. The song will debut on November 2nd. The Las Vegas Sphere is getting high praise from Time magazine. Time this week named the new state-of-the-art entertainment venue one of the best inventions of 2023. It made the cover of the issue called The 200 Extraordinary Inventions Changing Our Lives. Time calls the venue groundbreaking and otherworldly. Britney Spears' music is getting a huge boost thanks to the release of her highly anticipated memoir. The Woman in Me dropped on Tuesday, and by Wednesday, her catalog received over 7 million streams. Over 4.5 million of these streams came from Spotify, which reports her song Toxic received over 680,000 streams alone on Wednesday. Actor John Stamos is opening up about his struggles with alcohol. Stamos says he doesn't remember being on the set of My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2, which was filmed during the peak of his alcoholism. The actor says he hit rock bottom while drinking and went to rehab after filming. In his new memoir, Stamos says he has been sober for eight years. Disney's live-action Snow White star is addressing the backlash she got for her comments about the original 1937 film. Actress Rachel Zegler previously said the animated Snow White film was outdated and criticized the relationship between Snow White and the prince. People slammed her comments and doubted how good the new live-action movie would be. Zegler says she's learned to prepare for any pushback that comes with speaking out. Meghan Markle might be on the brink of a multi-million dollar payday. The actress and members of the British royal family are reportedly close to making a deal with Audible. That could involve audiobooks and podcasts. A source with The Mirror says Markle seems confident in the deal and knows it could make or break her Hollywood aspirations. This potential opportunity comes after Markle and Prince Harry's $20 million deal with Spotify collapsed in June after reports surfaced they could not create enough content. I'm Elle Lawton, and that's your entertainment news. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Roan Report here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Roan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.